coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, once again, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, long distance, and the magic of the internet has brought me another cool cat to sit and have a, a little conversation with, shoot the shit and have some fun. So uh, tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, well, fuck you for that intro. I, <laughs> it's Zedge from Blue Skies Magazine and join the team. Um, Zedge Moshadwowski. Actually, Andrzej Henrik Moshadwowski. I don't think anybody in the sport, other than people who check my credentials, actually knows my full name. I wouldn't. Uh, Andrzej Henrik Moshadwowski. Say that again. Andrzej Henrik Moshadwowski. You're just making that shit up. You're Zedge. It, I'm Zedge, but hey, my full name's not the only thing about me that's more than a mouthful. Oh, look at you starting off with the fireball comments. All right, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. That's all overcompensation. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't we all? <laughs> well, you're you're like five foot two. You're shorter than Junior, so you have to overcompensate. I do, I do, but it's okay because now I'm old, so it doesn't matter. And I'm going bald, and everybody can see it because I'm shorter than them, so it's all good. <laughs> I, have nice. no, I have nothing left to compensate for it's fantastic all right so well yeah. go, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead i was gonna say clearly we've cut right through the bullshit and the pleasantries. so um but we'll we'll <laughs> we'll see if we can't slow it down a little bit just because we're both from blue skies doesn't mean we got to be over the top right off the bat that is <laughs> yeah so um let's let's start with the basics you 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 like to jump out of airplanes I do like to jump out of airplanes. How did how did that definitely... happen? When did when did you get started in all this shit? How did how did the whatever the fuck that name was? How did he get started jumping out of airplanes? Uh, well, that guy was actually United States Army Specialist Mochadwowski in two thousand nine. Specialist uh, in what? Uh, no, so specialist is just a rank of the United States Army. It's I just the fourth it was like pro- proctology or something. That too. That's 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 a, that's a hobby, not a profession, though. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, uh, so, specialist is the fourth lowest rank of the army uh, because I went to college first and I enlisted. I managed to jump up four ranks automatically, but I was fresh out of basic training when the army decided to send me to uh, to airborne school. Wow! And uh, yeah, what did you go to college uh, for? International affairs, the focus on confidence security, mainly like counterterrorism, counterinsurgency stuff. Um, because of an international affairs program at George Washington University is political science and history heavy, I may as well have double minored in those. Um, Fucking look at the big brain on Zedge. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far. It just happens to have the capacity to remember a lot of useless knowledge. All right. Well, and, and long fucking names and, and fancy titles. <laughs> well, actually, so fun little fact: a couple of people have seen these little uh, alphabet soup stickers on certain people's helmets in the sport. It's like a little soup can with a little Punisher skull in the middle, right? Uh, and the alphabet has uh, an, a little anarchy sign. That's actually uh, when I was in the army at basic training. People started calling me Soup because my last name looks like somebody just poured a can of Campbell's alphabet soup out huh. and just picked letters at random. All right, so. Yeah, so that little soup can some people have seen on, on some helmets, including mine, that's that's where that came from. Oh, fair enough. Soup, uh, that's actually pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Now, so, so. You, you end up in the military, and you did you pick airborne, or they just said, we're going to throw you out of airplanes? 
So I went in on a, uh, a special forces contract. Okay. So I was set up so I would go to basic, I would go to airborne, then I would go to special forces selection, go through special forces qualifications course in one day, uh, get my green beret. But after I finished the special operations combat medic course, which at that point I've been in training for two and a half years, I actually got dropped from the course. Um, and then the army <laughs> transferred me over from infantry, which should have been my original branch, into a special operations combat medic slot, sent me to... Um, uh, Army Special Operations Command medical team, and that's where I spent the next two and a half years. Wow. Um, but everybody in Special Operations has to be airborne. Okay. So it didn't matter if I wound up going all the way through the Special Forces, wound up in a spe- Special Operations Medical Detachment like I did, everybody has to jump out of planes. That's so, kind of cool, though. All right. Yeah, the best part is I was scared of heights. I just, I, I, I'm still scared of heights. Right. So... To me, that was probably one of the worst things about that whole contract. I didn't care. Survival uh, school, seer school, as it's called, was fine. I didn't hate it that much. Uh, selection was rough, but I didn't hate it that much. But airborne school, especially because it was, you know, the first couple of months I was in the Army, was absolutely terrifying to me. Well, it had to be, and especially that particular type of jumping out of an airplane. Skydiving in general, I know a shitload of skydivers that are scared of heights, and jumping out of an airplane the way we do does nothing to fix that problem. Because there's no, you know, reference. You're just too fucking high up. But you're jumping out of planes a lot lower. So... I've actually had a conversation with this from uh, with a physician that I was working with at the time, and I think that there's actually a biomechanical aspect to why the fear of heights that a lot of skydivers have does not get triggered while skydiving. Um, the fear of heights is evidently when you're getting out when you're the fear of heights is actually a fear of falling. Sure. And you you, you experience falling because the fluid in your inner ear shifts due to acceleration. Sure. Well, when you're jumping out of a plane that's moving 120 miles an hour, inertia throws you forward initially, but then you don't really lose speed. You just change direction of speed. Sure. You might lose a mile an hour forward throw, but you're picking up a mile an hour of, of downward acceleration. Sure. So you're actually just you're, at any given point, you're falling a total or you're going a total of 120 miles an hour. The direction just changes. Yeah. So there's no acceleration. So. Exactly. So jumping out of a plane doesn't give doesn't trigger my fear of heights, but put me in the side of a helicopter that's in a hover, and I oh, freak yeah. out. Well, you know what it is. For I me, know my brain knows I'm about to accelerate. Yeah. Well, you know what it is for me is there's there's a couple of things in regard to the fear of heights, and and uh, and I've always explained it to to scared tandem students and tell them that you know skydiving doesn't doesn't trigger the fear of heights. And I always explain that it's also a perspective thing. You know, if you're standing on the balcony of a 20-story building, your eyes are gazing down the side of that building and can see the chunk of concrete you're going to slam into when you fall (laughs) off that balcony. But from 13,000 feet hanging off the side of a twin otter, your head just can't wrap itself around the fact that it's got to go way down there. And so that perspective is just kind of gone. Um, And that that was always it for me, is it was never a perspective thing. Because I I live on the, you know, sixth floor of a building now, and I hate going out on my balcony. Scares the shit out of me. I don't like it. Yeah. But I'm a a (laughs) pussy, too. Oh, we know. There's a funny one. Uh, Fourth of July at Krosky's a couple years ago. I did like 12 jumps. And at the end of the day, we all go up on top of the hangar to watch the fireworks. Sure. And so I'm getting on this ladder. I'm shaking like a dog shit in razor blades. Um, And then I get up top and watch the fireworks and I go to climb down. And again, I'm just shaking. 
And my roommate, Logan Donovan, had actually taken the ladder away. <laughs> we didn't know it was Logan at the time. We, we presumed it was somebody who we know is a dick. Sure. Um, Logan's like, Logan's like secretly, she's the quiet, she's sweet one dick. in the corner. But she, <laughs> she, is, she likes to fuck with it. She especially likes to fuck with me. Good for her. Uh, but yeah. So, you know, nobody suspected her. I didn't find out for a while that it was her that took the ladder. But I was freaking out up there. <laughs> Jumped out of a plane 12 times that weekend. But it was the ladder being missing that, funny? that finally made me panic. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's the strangest things. You can get us to do all kinds of crazy shit, jumping out of airplanes and helicopters and hot air balloons. But something like that or a bee gets too close to me and I run around like a fucking four-year-old. It's crazy. <laughs> so you, you you learn basically how to jump out of an airplane in the military, which does jack shit for your your um, civilian career in skydiving. So you hated it oh, yeah. in the military, though. So how did you become a skydiver? Because it would go almost, uh, I would assume that you'd go never again. So I, I didn't, I, I actually got to the point where I didn't hate it. Because again, I, you know, you learn to trust your gear. You realize that this, you're not going to feel the fall because of the plane. So mm. I, did, I didn't hate it. Uh, I hated jumping in the military mainly because you show up at 6 a.m., you get geared up at 6.30, and you sit around till 1 o'clock in this super uncomfortable harness waiting for for the plane to show up. <laughs> um, and I was actually lucky. In special operations, we flew we flew the CASA from, actually from Paraclete in Rayford. Oh, wow. Uh, it, was contracted out, it, was, it was contracted out to Special Operations Command, or Army Special Operations Command. Um, so... We actually were the lucky ones because we would have a much more timely process. The guys like the 82nd Airborne, they'd be sitting there all day to get this huge C-130, and they might be there from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and then the Air Force guys, oh, well, we need our crew rest. We're not jumping today. Oh, man, so, man. <laughs> Yeah, it was actually great. My first Carolina Fest, um, I was down there. I think that was actually uh, one of the first times I was working for Blue Skies. And this CASA shows up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I, that looks really familiar. And I get onto the plane as I'm walking up the tail ramp. I look, and it's got the arrow to correct static line jumpers to walk across and then turn so they go out perpendicular with the plane. Sure. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the CASA I used to do static line jumps out of. <laughs> How cool is that? And we get to the ground, and later on in the day, I go up to the pilot, Josh Sutton from Rayford. I'm like, dude, is that the plane that Yusasak uses? He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, I just did a jump as a civilian out of the same plane I used to jump out of in the military. That's it, was just, cool. it was one of those surreal, really cool experiences. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, aviation's pretty small, skydiving's pretty damn small, and the planes that people jump out of, there aren't really that many of them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, how'd you, how'd you uh, end up in the, the civilian stuff? Where did you start actually jumping, jumping? Um, so I got off active duty in 2014, uh, moved to DC very briefly, then got a job up in New York and I realized that I kind of had some disposable income. I'd saved up a ton of money when I was on active duty. Cause I, I, I wasn't one of these guys that took all their money and spent it on, you know, a Ford Raptor on 10% APR, sure. um, which is a huge issue in the army, <laughs> but I had all this disposable income at that point. I'm like, I want to do something cool and something exciting because I'm kind of, you know, I'm not shooting guns or driving around doing night training or, I don't know. I just needed something to, to kind of have fun and can't own a gun in New York City. So okay. uh, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get my skydiving license. Um, Googled a bunch of places and wound up at Sky's the Limit in East Strasburg, Pennsylvania. I know Sky's the um, Limit. You know, I, I was just there last week. I popped in to do a jump. 
I hadn't jumped there in 700 jumps, <laughs> um, according to their records. I think that they may have missed one, but yeah, according to their records, I didn't jump there in 700 jumps. I the, the owner, Teresa, comes up to me and she just like, gives me a hug, like this massive hug, like wraps around me like a little koala. And she's like, you haven't been here in so long. And then she went from being like, happy to being kind of mad at me to being happy that I was there again. It was really cute. Awesome. Um, yeah, my AFF instructor, Serena, was still there. I actually had, God, I had one of the most expe- uh, interesting first hundred jumps ever because unlike my cat D or my cat E, um, I had a two out. Who? No, I had a pre. No, I had a preemie. My bad. I had a preemie at eleven thousand feet. Oh, okay. Um, That's a long day. That. Yeah, and then like at jump thirty five, I had the two out. That down plane, and I had a chop. And then at like jump seventy five, I got stuck in the side of a skid of a helicopter. Uh, I've seen that video. Yeah, that video. I so. Like I said, I, I'm the I, I'm the guy that writes Friday Freakout for Team. I'm, I do all the analysis of all the videos, figuring out what happened, why it happened, how it can be prevented. Sure. Um, and in, we've been getting a lot of people who I've been talking to, people I'm friends with. I'm like, hey, you know, you got that crazy video, you should submit it. And a lot of people are embarrassed. Understandably, it's something that's going to happen. Sure. Um, but I was like, how can I really expect other people to put themselves on blast and you know kind of put their stuff out put their videos out there for the community to learn from if i can't do it myself sure so yeah about a month ago i took that video from me getting stuck on the side of a skid and uh, i posted it on a friday freakout so everybody can be like okay well the idiot who was in this video which was also <laughs> again like almost 800 jumps ago at this point um if that idiot can put himself on blast so people can learn from that, I guess I should be able to do the same thing. Sure. So, yeah, so everybody's seen that video. I've gotten a lot of comments being like, dude, I thought you just wrote Friday Freakout. I didn't realize you were in Friday Freakout. I'm like, that's the point. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because I think any long-term skydivers definitely got their own version of Friday Freakout. I'm just lucky in that when I started and all the shit was really going wrong with me, there weren't fucking GoPros. Uh, so yeah, I mean, most that's of back my... when like Norman Kent was jumping a VCR on his head. Almost, almost. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're talking about a time when all my stupid shit's just in my brain, which of course makes it even more blown out of proportion than it would have been on video. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm lucky in that fact. There are no camera phones and no fucking GoPros, so uh, a lot of my idiocy is just kept in my own head. I think that even in your old age, you were making up for all the idiocy that was not recorded these days. I try. You know? Yeah, I try. Well, de- I, if anything, my idiocy is just telling all the stories that I should keep to myself. <laughs> I think that's probably the biggest thing. So you almost died uh, becoming a skydiver because you had all kinds of shit go wrong in your first hundred jumps. Um but you clearly well, there's there's no there's no almost dying e- e- each one of those incidents <laughs> the preemie is just a preemie the yeah. two out i didn't even think about it. i saw them downplaying i waited until they were separated and i cut away well I yeah but I but you had your head screwed on straight there's quite a few people and you and i both know a few of them that that would have <laughs> been a real big problem i mean fair let's face it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely people out there who we see in the you see in the plane, and you're like, "Oh God, why oh, didn't yeah. they pick up bowling? Can I still pull off this load?" Oh yeah, 
no, no, no. And luckily, training has gotten so good nowadays that those are much fewer and further between than they used to be. But there's still a few jumpers out there that a down plane would be, yeah, end game for, for a few of them. Yeah, well, you know, on that one, I got to give credit to, like I said, my AFS instructor, Serena, because I was at 35 jumps and I didn't even think about it. I knew exactly what to do. So, Which is awesome. Hey, Serena, if you're listening to this, love you. <laughs> so you, you did all your training at Sky's the Limit. But I mean, you're yep. an extremely well-traveled skydiver now. You've been around quite a bit, because you—I you, yeah. mean, really—you haven't been in the sport what I would consider a long time. You're kind of a, a, a junior in the sport, I would say. I still consider myself a baby jumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, how many jumps? Uh, you got? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, about eight hundred. Yeah, I mean, now see, it's kind of funny because we put it in skydiver perspective. A real person. You tell them you've got 800 jumps, and they're like, you're fucking insane, man. What are you doing? Are you yeah. kidding? And, you know, to anybody that's been in the sporting length of time, you're like, yeah, you're getting there. You'll be safe soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it, I mean, you know, like, like you said, I'm well, I've been well-traveled for a skydiver because, I mean, I've been to something like 40 drop zones or so in three continents, four continents, actually, yeah. um, like seven countries. But a big part of that has been obviously doing boogies for blue skies and running around. Like, Well, every time it, I turn around, I see uh, another Facebook video of you uh, for the magazine, uh, you know, buddied up to some cute girl. Most of the time. <laughs> well, of course. Most of the time, clearly using your influence as a writer for the magazine. Clearly. <laughs> you know what I realized? I need to interview more cute girls because I, I was going through the videos from Summerfest. And like, almost every interview that I did was with a dude. Yeah, you're kind of... You know, I mean, skydivers now are, are pretty varied and there's a lot of badass girls out there. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. S step out of your comfort I, zone, I've been, man. I've, that's... That's, you know, that's one of the things that I've been super fortunate about. Um, and the reason I got, I started working with Blue Skies, the reason I write for team um, is because my best friend Logan from Control Tower Swooping, one, the, my first Carolina Fest, she couldn't make it down. She's like, oh, say hi to all these people for me. Hmm. I didn't know who any of these people were, but I was going up to like Bo Reby, Laura Golly, Doug Barron, Sam Smith. And I'm like giving them like, oh, hi, guys. I have like 100 jumps. But Logan Donovan told me to say hi to you because I'm her roommate and best friend. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, you know, Doug Barron is introducing me to Andrew Hathick and the rest of Rhythm. And I'm like, I had no idea who these guys were. I didn't realize they were like, you know, world champion material skydivers. Sure. <laughs> I'm just a babe in the woods. And But as a result, I met all these these cats and they were so nice to be here. But I wound up meeting all these people in the sport. So now, even though I only have 800 jumps, I can write Friday Freakout because if I don't know something, and I really don't know anything, like I said, I only have 800 jumps. Mm. But I can look at a video and be like, okay, well, this is a rigging issue. I wonder if Scott from Fluid Wings has five minutes to look this over and, and get back to me. Sure. Or I, you know, if it's a wingsuit issue, I wonder if Katie Hansen can hit me up. I wonder if Scotty Bob has a couple minutes. Sure. And it's only because Logan introduced me to all these amazing athletes that early on in my career that now I can write Friday Freakout and have enough people to talk with to bounce videos off of to make sure that i you know the, the analysis is accurate sure which is awesome i mean um some of them i find kind of entertaining and some of them are slightly horrific the uh, uh the jumper through the tandem canopy was something else um oh, yeah we 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 saw that one um we haven't had that one submitted to us we will never take a video just off 
the internet and, right. and use it for Friday Freakout. It's only it has to be submitted to us by one of the jumpers involved. That's the only way we'll use it. Sure. Uh, we're very we have a very strict policy about that. We we don't state the location. Anything happened. We're not on there to put anybody on blast. And sure. If somebody doesn't want to come forward to us, we won't use it. But I really want a copy of that video. <laughs> if you're if whoever is in that video is listening to it, please 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 yeah. submit it because I think there's a lot. A lot of good discussion can be had about what went wrong in that video. Yeah, yeah. There's multiple things. Well, it's kind of funny because I watched it. Um, I, I, I think I, I, I was only sideways watching it out of my eye, uh, and uh, the the complete and utter disregard for the uh, <laughs> the uh, handle definitely got my attention. Like yeah. The, the, yeah. I went. Oh, whoop! I got to rewind and make sure I saw what I think I just saw. Because <laughs> oops. That was bad, but the videos, the hand cam video is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he was dedicated to that hand cam. I oh, didn't yeah. even think about that, but even after the incident, he's still holding it out there perfectly. Yes, you can he see was. The tandem passengers, you can see the tandem passenger's nose bleeding very clearly. Oh, yeah. No, no. You have an absolutely gorgeous view of the still properly seated reserve handle and everything. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so stuff like that, honestly, especially when people come forward with it and they uh, they allow themselves to be put on display like that. It's a brave thing to do, but it's also an extremely smart thing to do because there's a fuckload of people out there that are going to learn huge lessons. Um, fuck the hand cam video. Pull all your damn handles. Uh, that's a great lesson to learn from that particular video. Uh, and many, many more, of course, obviously you see them all you're, you're editing for them. Now, by the way, how did that get started? How did the whole Friday freakout become what it is? Um, so honestly, I came into Friday freakout only got a year and a half ago. Right. So Andrew Revez, who is the, 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 the mad scientist behind team, uh, my favorite, he's Canadian. I, I call him my favorite knucklehead. Um, <laughs> So he and I are just shit face hammered at Carolina Fest two years ago. And I'm sitting there like, bro, you know, I love Friday Freakout, but you guys can make this like more of an educational thing. You guys could like do a write up and explain what happened, why, why it happened, how it can it be prevented. Like you guys could really turn this into something so useful for the community. And he's like, and he's like, dude, I love that idea. But we are so slammed editing videos. We just don't. We don't have the capacity. We don't have a writer. Right. And by this point, I was already writing for Blue Skies. I'm like, hi, hi, hi. I, I, I'm a writer. <laughs> right. And so this drunken conversation turns into me starting to work with team to make Friday Freakout, which was already a great learning tool. Sure. But a more now it's a more structured learning tool where you know, like I said, every almost every write up that I've done ha, is a solid page in Microsoft Word. Sure. Um, you know, after formatting of, you know, like I said, what happened, why, and how can prevent it? Yeah. Um, yeah. whereas before it was just a, a, it was a learning tool. You're right. But it was a, holy fuck. Did you see what happened on that one video that, you know, yeah. and then it's just discussion well, it, amongst yourselves. Well, that's what, that's what really got me into it was the fact that I would see all these discussions on Facebook and there was no structure to them. It was a bunch of, you know, people with big heads being like, oh, I'm right. This is what went wrong. No, I'm right. This is what went wrong. Right. You're an idiot. And this at least puts a little bit of structure to it and, you know, introduces a little bit more of an organization. And there's still people who think I'm a freaking idiot. And when my analysis is wrong and that's they're right. Like For I sure. said, typically it's not just my analysis. It's the analysis of me and a bunch of, you know, way more experienced people that I get in on it. But, sure. Of course. Uh, you know. Well, and, I will and, say, though. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Good. Well, I, was, I just want I did want to do a real quick shout out because Friday Freakout has been super successful. Um, team has been super successful. They just hit. Oh, well, we just hit a hundred thousand subscribers on on YouTube. Nice. So, yeah. So, people who are definitely out there, they're definitely watching. I'm sure it's mostly woofos to just because of the numbers. But there's a ton of skydivers out there who are get, who are seriously committed to watching those videos and learning from them, which I think in general that says. Something about team says something about Friday Freakout. It also says something about the community wanting to learn from other people's incidents, which I think is a fantastic attitude that we need to definitely expand and keep well, of growing. Course. Of course. Well, and to be perfectly honest, skydiving in general, um, people tend to want to try and learn from other people's mistakes, which is rare because you know most people want to do it the other way around. I certainly did in everything else. I wanted to learn from others' mistakes. Uh, but the biggest thing that I've been taught in skydiving from day one is never stop learning. Um, and that may be true about everything, but in skydiving, it seems to be a very um, blunt kind of truth because if you stop learning, it's going to bite you in the ass, especially with as quickly as skydiving is progressing now, whether it be just the skills in the air, the canopies, the equipment, it's it's crazy. I mean, yeah, you, if, you, if you stop learning, you're fucked. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's Booth's Law is definitely a thing, and okay. the way that the sport keeps evolving... It doesn't matter how much safer the gear gets, people will find ways to push it and keep making it more dangerous. Of course. Of and, course. Absolutely. Somebody's always going to be pushing the envelope even when it doesn't need to be pushed. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's yeah. that's just kind of the nature of the beast, I think. Now, you... So you it's had, the beast is nature of our personalities. It is. Oh, very much so. I mean, skydiving, any extreme sport, but and, of course, really, skydiving is the only one I have a whole lot of experience with, but it, it draws a specific type of person. Um, and we're definitely people that um, are willing to push what others would consider limits. Um, the cool thing about yeah. skydiving is uh, there's so many levels to it. I mean, I'm a very... I'm not a big risk taker when it comes to skydiving. I'm pretty middle of the road. You know, I don't I don't push it and never really have. I'm never going to be the world's baddest swooper. I'm not out trying to do all this crazy stuff. And so to some skydivers, I'm considered very mellow. But to somebody that's just doing their first tandem, I'm fucking insane. So it's it's awesome that there's that, that big mix. But every one of them is still learning. And, of course, the people that are really pushing the limits are the ones that are paying attention to every little thing. And they damn well should be. Dean, nobody in this sport who has talked to you for more than 15 seconds thinks that you are mellow in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> mellow in action. You might, be, you might be tiny, you might be geriatric, but we all know that you're batshit crazy. I'm, I'm mellow in action, not necessarily in word. I'm all, I'm all bark and no bite. None uh -huh. of, well, all right, maybe a little nibble, but I'm not that crazy. So yeah, so so a little thing about Dean. My home drop zone nowadays is Cross Keys oh, in uh, in Williamstown, New Jersey. What a place! Uh, and it it what a place! Mm. What a freaking place! I, I love my home DZ. I don't get to jump because I travel so much in the sport. I don't get to jump there nearly as often as I would love to. But every time I come home, uh, our DZOs Pico and Nadia. It, there's never been a, oh you trader oh you're not around here often enough they they love the fact that i'm out there wearing a crosskeys jersey with a crosskeys wind blade halfway across the world sure uh, they're super supportive of everything i do and I, I love them for it um but i i know that you also have a history at crosskeys and you were around for some crazy times at crosskeys yeah, so man what i have a question for you what do you know because did you come up at Crosskeys, or did that just become your home DZ at one point? Uh, no, I was. I came up in Vegas. That's where my whole trip started okay. out there. I, I became a, a fun jumper, then a, 
uh, camera guy, then a tandem instructor out in Vegas. And when Vegas finally came to an end, it was because I got offered a job at Cross Keys. Um, so okay. I went there and I literally took the job at Cross Keys because at the time it was pretty much the busiest drop zone in the world. And if you wanted to make money and make the smart decision in skydiving, you tried to get a job at Cross Keys. So as funny as it sounds now looking back, I took the responsible choice and went to Cross Keys. <laughs> That was the responsible is... choice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and, and to put in perspective the time frame that I got hired at Cross Keys, um, I was hired uh, by the guy that would eventually pass away accidentally falling into a burning car. Oh, really? Yeah. That was the start of wow. my, my Cross Keys time. Uh, and it, it was just that crazy the entire time I was there. For sure. It was batshit crazy. And the, the, the monkey claw days. Oh, yeah. No, no. It was full on monkey claw and, and the busiest drop zone I'd ever been in. A Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you as a tandem instructor or video guy would do, on average, 25 jumps a day. So, Jesus. yeah, you know, just insanely busy. We did uh, what was at the time, and it might still stand. I'm not sure. The world's record for the most tandems done in a day. I think we did 406 or something like that in a day. Um, and How it was, many planes were you running? Uh, only two. Just two. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Turn and burn all day. We started with the sun in the morning. And we actually finished with a couple of hours of sunlight left because we didn't have anybody else that wanted to jump. We were all too fucking tired. Um, I think Steven Jackson did the most. I think he did 31 tandems, 32 tandems that day. I did 29. It was stupid. Uh, and it was the whole thing was paid for by Red Bull, which was super cool. What was even cooler is Red Bull brought all the people to do the jumps with us from New York. And it was mostly cocktail waitresses and bartenders. So you can imagine the clientele. <laughs> uh, so it was fantastic. And the way that they did it was they, they were uh, gearing everybody up in groups and just doing cattle calls. And they didn't assign an instructor to a student. They just put them all in a pin. And when you landed, you ran, grabbed somebody and got on the plane. So that's how it went. Well, myself. So, so were, were, were you all sprinting to get the most attractive tandem passenger you could find? Only a couple of us, but we figured it out <laughs> real quick. Were, were you one of the couple? Oh, you damn right I was. Now, the upside oh, to that was the beginning of the day, you're literally, you know, weaving and bobbing through these chubby fat guys uh, and grabbing the cutest girl you can. Hi, I'm Dean. How's it going? Let's get on the plane. And up you go. But about halfway through the day, all the pretty girls have jumped. And now all you've got are a bunch of middle-aged, balding, pissed-off <laughs> fucking chubby guys that have been passed up by you all day long. So the entire second half of the day was all just very large people uh, that you took. And I think the last guy – oh, by the way, I said it was sponsored by Red Bull. So what do you think everybody was drinking all day? <laughs> fucking Red Bull. And again, you're dropping your rig in the landing area, sprinting into the hangar, grabbing a rig, sprinting to the loading area, grabbing a passenger and going. So you literally don't have time for anything but a Red Bull and maybe a Snickers bar if you were spoiling yourself. So by the time it came around to doing the jump with the last guy I was going to take, I grabbed him, introduced myself, started walking towards the plane and went, uh, by the way, my name's Dean and I'm probably going to throw up on you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that when we finished it, Red Bull threw this huge, huge banquet that nobody could eat because we were all sick to our stomach from drinking Red Bull all day. But then, of course, they threw a huge full and you, you'll appreciate this, especially at Cross Keys, a full open bar party 
They brought uh, models from New York in to be waitresses, all dressed as like uh, early aviators with the caps and the whole nine yards. It was ridiculous. It was stupid. And then it degraded. Now don't you wish that you had GoPros back then? Oh, no, no. I'm really glad I get to keep those memories just in my head. There should be no proof of the kind of stuff that was going on. None. <laughs> none, none. Yeah, cross keys, man. I'll tell you what. Especially back then, we were lucky to survive it, but we were also very lucky to be there, man. I, most of the people I talked to that I, that I worked and lived and played with back then all look back at those as some of the best days they'll ever have in the sport, for sure. It was crazy. Nice. It was craziness. Well, and, you'll you'll be you'll be glad to see if if you ever manage to swing by. I think you'd be pretty excited to see what's going on right now. Oh, I hear it's, I hear it's uh, popping off again, like it used to in the old days. As far as the the hype to it, and everybody's super excited to be there, and a bunch of really really fantastic skydivers. I mean, that's that's awesome. Yeah, fourth Fourth of July this year, they. They brought in Lane Packwin, Mike Brewer, uh, Tom Baker, Katie Hansen, Scott Robinson, Matt Leonard, and they are just doing the most batshit insane things out of the back of the van, uh, Sky Van. Uh, awesome. Lane was just doing direct bagging on a canopy that was hooked up backwards, um, stalled it out, cut away. At one point, there was an XRW jump where they had three angle flyers pass by them. And yeah, and this is following the year where Katie Hansen was doing XRW with our caravan. How awesome so, is that? So, uh, dude, it's just, it's so awesome to have all this talent coming across keys. Cause I, I've heard these legends of what you're talking about back when it was, you know, the, the destination drop zone. Oh, and man. And I'm like, what? It was, uh, and it, the the jumps that were being done at Cross Keys back in the day, uh, I mean, we had uh, um, Heath Richardson, who was at the time the current uh, world champion canopy pilot. Um, we had Monkey Claw going off. We had ridiculous free, free flying and stuff. The PST Pro Swoop Tour that was going on at the time would come down and we'd do Wildwood, New Jersey. We're doing tandems out of the Alouette helicopter over the beach in Jersey over Fourth of July weekend. Uh, and then, of course, just the insanity of the normal weekends where you're busy jumping as much as you can and trying to find somebody to fuck as soon as the sun goes down. And it was like that every weekend. It was insane. It was wonderfully insane. <laughs> nice. You know they brought back Wildwood this year. Yeah, I saw the pictures, man. I was I, I actually was going oh. through a bunch of my old videos and saw a bunch of the jumps that I had done over Wildwood landing on the beach next to the swoop pond and was jealous that it's going off again. That's really awesome. That's yeah, I was super bummed I missed it. Oh, uh, if they keep doing that every year, you gotta get back. It's good fun. It's a whole lot of fun. And yeah. then there's proper shenanigans to be had on that boardwalk after the sun oh, goes I'm down. Sure. <laughs> So, uh, so the funny, the funny thing is the reason I missed that boogie. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you know what my first article for Blue Skies ever was? No, actually, I was going to ask you how you got started in that. So nice little segue there. Cool. Tell me. Oh, there we go. Perfect timing. Yeah, man. All right. Well, for, so I'll, 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 I'll backtrack. The, how I got started with Blue Skies, it's pretty much the same way I got started with Friday Freakout. <laughs> you got drunk? Um, I was shit-faced hammered at my first PIA. Oh, there you go. And... I'm trashed. Wait, 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 hang on. You got to back up. You got to back up even a little bit more. Why the fuck were you at PIA? I mean, that's like it goes back to it goes back to that whole thing I was talking about. How I met Logan. I met all like all these people in the community, 
And for me, it was, oh, there's a bunch of cool safety lectures. All my favorite people in the sport are going to be there. Why the fuck wouldn't I go? All right. Fair enough. I mean, was, that's all it was. It was like, all, I didn't know that, you know, how much, uh, you know, how much it's, it's geared towards military contracting. All I knew was like, okay, Laura Golly, Greg Windmiller, uh, Allison Ray, all these people I respect in the sport are giving lectures about how to be a safer skydiver. Um, I knew that. You know, all the brands going to be there showing off the latest and greatest, newest gear that they had. I'm like, all right, cool. I was already down in Florida at the time. Chattanooga, Tennessee wasn't that bad of a flight up. Like, screw it. Let's do it. Cool. So you went there and got fucking Um, shitty drunk. Yeah, I got shitty drunk. Actually, Pico and Nadia, the DCOs of Cross Keys, were the ones getting me shitty drunk. Awesome. And then Pico, Pico left his binder at the bar and Nadia texts me. So, of course, I'm like, oh, I got it for you guys. Don't worry about it. Uh, that was about two minutes before every skydiver at the bar drew penises all over his notebook. And then a couple of us took it to the bathroom to send them pictures of uh, certain anatomical regions awesome. with his binder. Awesome. Skydivers yeah. always being politically correct. Of course. Uh, but so I go back to the bar after that incident and I'm sitting at the bar and Logan, I believe, introduced me to Cola, uh-huh. who who runs Blue Skies magazine. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you really like my sense of humor. You should let me write for Blue Sky. She's like, "Why? Who are you? And why do I like your sense of humor?" And she, for those who don't know, Cola, she's from Iceland, and she's yes. actually the friendliest, most awesome person ever. Yes. But a lot of people think that she's kind of intimidating because she has that Icelandic kind of like seriousness. It's kind of like a German thing. Sure. Well, she is intimidating. She's she got that as... in an awesome. So way. I'm like, in an awesome way. I freaking love her. Oh yeah. Um, and so she's like, why do I think you're funny? And I explained to her that the year prior, when they did the end of the year awards for Blue Skies Magazine, I, you know, you can, you can vote. And if you want to, you can include a little caption of why you voted for that drop zone or for that organizer or whatever. Right. And that year, every single category that I wrote a caption for, they use my caption. And they just thought that my sense of humor was was solid and everything I wrote got into the magazine. And I tell her that she's like, oh, God, you're that guy. I remember that we had one IP address that just had all these hilarious comments because it's completely anonymous. And for the record, I I do get a lot of questions about this because Krosky's has one best mid-size two years in a row. It's my home drop. So I'm like, they have no idea who votes for what. I have no influence on that whatsoever. It is completely by IP address. Fair enough. Uh, but, but yeah, so she's like, yeah, you should start writing for us. Just, you know, find a topic, find an event, take some photos and send it in. We'll see if we like it. Nice. My story Um, for them is not nearly as exciting. She just went, Hey, I need a pilot to write a little thing about skydiving. Do you think you want to do it? (laughs) Uh, okay. Yeah. She said, be really inappropriate. Cuss as much as you want and talk about boobs. Cool. Was this before or after your book? Um, oh, long, long before I've been writing for the magazine for okay. shit almost. Well, I think my first article was their third, second issue, second or third issue. And I've been in every wow. one since. Yeah. Yeah. And we're at what? 110, 110 issues or so. Now? Yeah. So I'm, I think I have 107 or 108 articles in there cause I'm completely full of shit. Yeah. We, we know. Yeah. No, completely. Full <laughs> of shit. Yeah. It just, I sit down and it just comes out. Anyway, this is about you, not me. <laughs> It's about both of us, buddy. It's okay. about both of us. Fair enough. Fair enough. The, the, the more whiskey I drink, the more the more this is going to become about you. Um, By the way, I do take credit for getting you to wake up with the sun to drink heavily for a podcast. 
Yes. I mean, you know, at least you've got the day off so you can, you can recover from your morning drinking. Yeah. I mean, it, I would have done this gladly on a Monday and just gotten hammered before the work day, but <laughs> well, that would be a skydiver way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would not be a skydiver way to do it. Dude. All, all right. right. Friday free. I can't. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> So, you know what, as hard as we party, that's one thing that I like, if I see somebody drink and try to get on a load, even if it's hours later, I'm like, dude. Oh no, I'm, believe me. uh, So the whole, it's, it's a running joke because I'll make fun of it like everybody else does. Uh, But uh, the whole safety meeting thing, I, I've never have been a fan of. That's, that's not my thing. Uh, And uh, it's actually cross keys that solidified my opinion. Um, I sat and watched in horror with a lot of other friends. Um, uh, a friend of ours at the time going in with nothing out because he was hammered drunk. Uh, and he landed, um, maybe five houses up from the hangar on Dahlia Avenue. And like, I don't know, one o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday or something. No, no, no. It was a weekend. It was a weekend. It was just before 4th of July for the PST tour. But, uh, I'm sure you've heard the whole stories of the guy that hit the basketball hoop. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I watched that happen. Uh, and, uh, of course he was hammered drunk and, and, uh, ever since then, no, I mean, I'll joke around about it, but absolutely not. Yeah, no, that's, I hon- honestly, I've only seen maybe two drop zones where that is even part of the culture in any way, shape or form. And even at those two drop zones is really frowned upon. Um, and I think that that, that really does also say about a lot about how skydiving has evolved because of course. When, by the time I came in, like I, I've heard these stories, I mean, God, you know what? A, I'm not going to mention the name of the guy because he's super big yeah. in the industry, but he told me about an incident um, way back in the day down in Florida where somebody had, you know, people are going around. I think it was a little bit of acid and somebody jokingly dropped a little bit into uh, into like a communal lemonade <laughs> uh, pitcher or something. And they had a couple no pulls as a result in a single jump. Oh my God. I hear sto- I hear stories like that, and I mean, it, you know, if it again, I'm not going to mention the name of the guy, but he's he's an old school guy who, if it was anybody else, I wouldn't believe it. But sure. coming from him, like wow. Well, you know, it's um and it, incidents it, like that, and I see that, and I see what I you know the the super safe you know and super anal retentive attitudes we have about that about any kind of substance before you're jumping. Sure. And I'm so glad I feel I'm so fortunate to be a new school jumper. Oh yeah, because. Well, you know. I, I was I was coming up in that transitional period, but I was always the type that oh no 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 nothing nothing in regard to mixing with the sport. But once the sun goes down, all bets are off, uh, and oh, God, yeah. clearly craziness went on. I mean, we had people uh, ended up naked hugging telephone poles. Uh, I just oof, I walked around New Jersey in drag all day one day. It's on video, by the way. Um, Is it really? Yeah, it actually won me the best um the best film for the film festival at cross keys in 2004 i also won best comedy <laughs> and best documentary same year Sw- complete sweep <laughs> complete sweep with two videos but yeah it was basically you know, a video of so- me walking around in in hot pants and fishnet stockings in all around williamstown so you know one they brought back the film festival awesome two uh fourth of july this year there was a drag competition awesome 
So hearing all this, I'm like, wow, we we really are getting back to old school cross keys. Oh, yeah, man. In fact, I'm sitting, I'm in the studio right now, and I'm looking at my still have them both, the Cross Keys Film Festival, uh, Best Documentary 2004, and Best Drama slash Comedy 2004, sitting right here. Nice. Yep. I, I I actually have a video I'm planning for this year. My friend Chloe is gonna is gonna do it with me. I'm stoked. Nice. Not gonna give not gonna give away a plot. I'll send you a coffee after the edit's done though. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna want to see it for sure. But hey, the yeah. article, first article you wrote. Oh, first article, right? Yeah. And this this comes back to why I miss Wildwood. <laughs> so uh, my first article was actually Rita Roy from Scott. Well, formerly from Scott of Sebastian, she got married mm. at Scott of Sebastian. And I was a bridesmaid. Of course you were. Of course. I, I've been a bridesmaid multiple times. Never a groomsman, never a bride, never a groom. I, have I been think the, I preferred that way. I was the maid of honor once. Nice. Not even a joke. It was in Alaska, though, so that says something. <laughs> I, I, I have one future wedding where I've already been told that I'm the maid of honor. Awesome. And I'm completely okay with it. Awesome. Dude, I look good in a tutu. And then you throw the blue skies leggings underneath it. My quads, my calves look amazing. Hey, I've got the tutu ch- as well. I'm a, ch- I'm a chubby dude, but I've got great legs. I've got the. Oh, by the way, before I forget about it, speaking of the whole wedding and marriage thing, and I did this uh, for Junior, for those that don't know him by oh. Junior, David Ludwig uh, and his wife, I was supposed to um, marry them. And then that didn't work out. And so then we were going to do another marriage. But because of that, I am an ordained minister. So so for anybody dude, out there that ever wants to get married via the fucking pilot. I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off. I'm going to cut you off because I'm also an ordained minister in two churches. <laughs> and part of the reason is because of Junior Nicole's wedding. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. So you couldn't make it. No, I was there. You fine. You didn't make it, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And at one point they didn't know if the minister they're going to have there, not you, another one. At one point there was a question of whether he could be there. So Nicole comes up to me. She's like, Zed, you're the kind of guy that would be an ordained minister, aren't you? I'm like, I am, but I don't have any of my paperwork. And I'm guessing that George is going to be a little weird about that. She's like, can you figure something out in the next 48 hours? <laughs> and so I hopped on and I found another church and I got ordained by them online as well. Yep. And they sent me the PDF. So just in case the other minister couldn't make that, yep. I would have been their third choice nice. after you and him. Nice. Yes, I am an ordained minister in the Church of Universal Life. Same here. That's my second one. I got yep. Pastafarian and I got the uh, church. You know what? Two for one deals. Two oh, hilarious yeah. jackasses. We'll, we'll marry you together. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Happy to do that in whatever you want me to wear. I'll wear tutus or I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm for sale. Cheap. <laughs> yeah, we know. All right. So back to the article. We keep skipping over yeah. this. So you so, wrote this article. So... This wedding happens. It's hilarious. Um, and I'm going to actually tell a little bit of a story about the wedding because this is one of my yeah. favorite skydiving memories. Please. Um, and so the day before the wedding, the whole bridal party goes out to the beach. And the maid of honor is like, guys, I have no idea what to do for my speech. <laughs> I'm clueless. I got nothing. And we're throwing out ideas. And one idea that we, we tossed away was to... At the beginning of her speech, be like, all right, guys, everybody, all the gentlemen, 
if you have a key to Rita's apartment, come on up and throw it in the bucket. And we would have given out a key to every single guy in the crowd. They would all come. Out. And this was at Scott and Sebastian. That'd be cute. They would have all thrown it into the bucket. And then she would have turned, ladies, if you have a key to his place, come throw it in the bucket. And right. like one person would like just throw it out of the crowd. Right. Uh, we threw that idea out because family was there and they're not all skydivers. Yeah, but so we went with something. So yeah, we went with something even worse. Good. So because the maid of honor is like, I really don't want to give this speech. I hate public speaking. Zed, you really, really like the sound of your own voice. Do you want to do it for me? (laughs) Duh. So we discussed it. We came up with another idea. On the morning of the wedding, I go up to the groom. I'm like, Hey, dude, uh, how embarrassing can I be in the maid of honor speech? He's like, you're giving the maid of honor speech. I'm like, yeah. He's like 13. I'm like, dude, remember who you're talking to. Yeah, bring it on. One to one to ten. It's like 13. I care more about hilarity than, than I do about embarrassment. Fair, yeah. I'm like, all right. So I hop on stage, I get in front of the crowd, and I tell them, ladies and gentlemen, we're gathered here today. These two lovely individuals got married, and we were all talking about their registry. And we realized last night as a bridal party that wedding registries are fucking bullshit. <laughs> so you know what? If a, if a marriage is falling apart, a new coffee maker ain't going to fix it. If everything is falling apart and you're just not doing well together as a couple, that dining room set ain't going to do shit. But you know what will? You know what will keep even a shitty marriage going strong? Kinky hood rat shit in the bedroom. And to ease them along their path as a new couple, we got this. And I pull out some uh, a bottle of KY jelly or something. Awesome. awesome. To clean up the rough patches, I pull out some anal bleach. Awesome. And to keep it interesting, I pull out a black butt plug with a unicorn tail. Of course you do. And how, how nice of you and to this... give them some, something from your own personal drawer, too. That's really cool. Of course. I wish, man. You know how uh, trying to find a butt plug on a freaking Saturday morning in the middle of the panhandle, not even panhandle, even in the middle of Sebastian, Florida, I had to drive like an hour each way to a sex store to, to buy that thing. That's too bad you weren't uh, in Cross Keys because when I was there, there were at least two sex shops within five minutes of the drop zone. <laughs> I don't know if they're I still there. I, I, I don't think they're still there, man. It's up the main drive heading towards the big gym. I, I don't, yeah, I, it's been a while. And. I, yeah. A lot of the brain cells for those memories are gone. So, well, yeah, uh, no, anyway, that would so, yeah. be that, so that would was, be a that, proper that was my first speech. article. So yeah, you that was my first it. article. Awesome, awesome. So yeah. you set the tone then, right away. Yeah, but the funny thing is now, I, I'm I, anybody who knows me knows that I, I'm not really a relationship guy. I've never, you know, in the, in the time I've been skydiving, I've dated like two, three people. Um, and so it's it's a funny little joke because that was my first article is about a, a wedding and marriage. Mm. And my a year later, I did my second one, <laughs> and that was for Junior and Nicole's wedding. So now it became like a yearly thing that I write at least one wedding article for Blue Skies a year of skydivers getting married. Nice. And now for my third year writing for Blue Skies, I have three weddings this year that I'm writing about in a single article. Nice. No, but uh, you know, as a follow up, you need to start writing about divorces as well. <laughs> yeah, I we that, we joked about that actually. <laughs> um, 
So wait, that's what I miss. I miss the Wildwood boogie because I was at a bachelorette party for a wedding that's happening next month. Nice. Uh, Laura Golly, uh, formerly from Sunpath, um, and Joe Ablin from the Army Golden Knights are getting married next month. Nice. Laura was doing her bachelorette party in New York, and in like the sweetest thing ever, she told me that if I wanted to come along, I could. <laughs> and who's going to turn down an invite to Laura Golly's freaking bachelorette party? That's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I've been to a few bachelorette parties so, uh, from time to time. They get weird. This one, this one, got, we went to, there's a place in New York City called House of Yes. It is a <laughs> club. It is an amazing club that is the last reminiscent reminder of the old school illegal warehouse raves in new york city all right it's the most welcoming accepting fantastic club bar i've been to in a very long time um but it gets crazy of and they had a burlesque show there awesome awesome and the details of which i will not divulge <laughs> but if any of you ever hear of Blunderland burlesque coming near you, I'm presuming that they can only do shows in New York, Vegas, and maybe New Orleans. I don't think any other city or state will be accepting enough to let them happen. But, oh, my God, it was amazing. <laughs> that's too cool. Uh, well, but that's that's what they're supposed to be like. They should be a little oh, yeah. bit off the top and crazy, and especially if it's going to be for a fucking bunch of skydivers. Yeah, well, it, it was half skydiver. It was half skydivers, half of Laura's friends from college and and from uh, from high school. Too cool. But you know what? And I have to give the the credit to the woofos. Um, the skydivers I knew could handle whatever house he has through at them. I didn't know about the woofos, and the woofos were just as into it, had as just as much fun as anybody else. So amazing time! Thank you again, Laura, for letting me come along. <laughs> but, <laughs> and and uh, definitely more in more stuff for future articles as well, which is cool. Yeah, like I said, uh, the, so the first wedding of the year happened the first Saturday of Summerfest, and that was Nate, uh, Nate Nora from, uh, from Skydive Midwest's uh, VFS team, Chemtrails. He married uh, our amazing, amazing friend, Margo. They are the, the ridiculous, perfect couple. Then we got Laura and Joe coming up next month. Again, another freaking ridiculous, amazing couple with their dog, Pepper. And then um, in October, Marissa Barkley of Compass and Crow Studios. Mm. Who have you have you ever seen any of her helmets? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've I see all her yeah. stuff on Facebook for sure. Yeah, she does amazing work. But she's getting married in October. Oh God, I just realized I still need to send in my RSVP. <laughs> um, Thanks, the reminder. But yeah, so so all three of those. Yeah, Marissa, I'm going to your wedding. I forgot to respond. I'm just going to be me. I'm uh, yes for brunch and yes for the steak. Um, but <laughs> I'm literally going to tag her in this and tell her, hey, you have to go listen to this podcast to find out if I'm going to your wedding or not. Yeah, for sure. But but yeah, I'm going to do a three wedding piece for my third year writing wedding pieces, That's very and cool. I'm going to include all of them. That's so very cool. I'm stoked. I'll, I'll look forward to reading them. Hopefully, they're plenty over the top. I'm actually starting to finally now. I've been writing for Blue Skies for so long. I'm actually starting to run out of shit to write about. I've I've I've, I've kind of used up all my insane stories. It took ten years, but I'm I'm finally kind of running out. So now I've taken to writing more about other people. 
and their stuff. Fair. Some interview stuff and telling other people's stories. Like I've act- actively gone to friends, uh, one of whom actually was a guest on the podcast, and asked permission to write about uh, one or two of their crazy stories. And, and I'll have them give me the cliff notes and then I'll expand on it a little bit, which I find is quite fun to be able to do that. Um, but uh, uh, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to run a little bit dry. I think I, I might be getting a little bit old for this shit. <laughs> All right, you're you're old for a lot of shit. Not everything. Not everything. Keep up, man. <laughs> uh-huh. So Alice is doing its wonders. Well, you know when you need it. So you uh, you're going on three years with Blue Skies. Um, yep. So and and you're you're in Florida, yeah. No, I'm in New York City. You're in New York, okay. But you you, you get to how Florida. how across how across these be my That's home right. drops? So. Yeah. Dude, I'm old. Shit starts to fade. <laughs> um, but uh, especially with as closely as you work with the magazine, actually, it was funny because when I interviewed Laura and Cola. Um, I've been working with them for almost 10 years. Now, Cola I knew from the Cross Keys days. That's how I actually got approached was because she and I knew each other back in the truly crazy days in Cross Keys. Um, but to this day, I've still never met Laura. Funny you say that, nor have I. Really? I think she might be, she might just be a computer simulation or something. I don't. She might not real. exist. Yeah, I think it's just I, Cola. This is so funny, man. Yeah, I've never met Laura. Every time I've been down in the land, I've been like, hey, I'm around. Let's grab a drink. Let's meet up. I'll swing by the office, whatever. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm not in town. Yeah, I think she's a figment of, of Cola's imagination. And, and uh, uh, the voice that I interviewed sounded a little computery. I think we got to research this. Plus, I mean, fuck, we both write for a magazine that has Sky God, and I don't know who the fuck that is. I mean, come on. People I, ask me all the time, and I just tell them I think it's you and Laura. I always tell him I think it's you. I think it's I, I think that you write Sky God. I think Laura writes Sky Goddess. Every time somebody uh, asks me either who it is or asks me if I've written anything, they only ask me when uh, Sky God's written something that makes people pissed off. Like, hey, did you this this? He was a real fucking asshole with this. Did you write that? What? <laughs> Why is it gotta be me? <laughs> Because you're an ass. Well, 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 God, what was the one I got called on? And I'm like, whoa, that's over the time. It was something about the Pope years ago. And I'm like, what? Why would, how come you would come straight to me with something about, no, uh-uh. So you, so you don't know who it is? So I, I, I've always thought it's an amalgamation of you two. No. No, no. I will, no. See, no. I, I've gotten yelled at for one. Um, one of my friends who is... Uh, well-experienced jumper, former DZM. I'm not going to give any more information because he'll kill me. But uh, he bitched me out because he thought it was me. And I had a conversation with him and his wife about uh, about not having sex while on their periods, like two years earlier. And then Sky God wrote about that. <laughs> and so he comes up to me he's like, dude, what the you know, like he's like all pissed off. Like, dude, it's not me. Like, I will say, I have messaged Laura and Cola, be like, hey, th- this conversation happened at the drop zone. Maybe this is the type of thing that Sky God would like to write about. Well, he is and, supposed to be omnipotent, right? Oh, so yeah, I guess he is always paying attention to all of our conversations. That's what they say. You know, you never know. I, <laughs> it, some of the shit is fucking funny. I know that much. It's that much I love. And he helps promote the podcast. So, you know, he or she, I should say. Sorry about that, just in case. <laughs> oh, so do you, do you think that Sky God and Sky Goddess are the same person? Or do you think that 
Well, what is it? I mean, the whole real guy thing has got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit thing. So why not? Okay, we're not we're not getting into change topics. I'm not getting into religion. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm just saying no, no. if if that on, one let me, can let, let me pour a little let me pour a little more Jameson into yeah, my you coffee. Pour real some quick. more Jameson. I mean, if if they can have the the three, then why can't the blue skies have the two? It makes sense to me. <laughs> I'm the worst person to ask about that shit. For sure. Yeah. So, all right. So you're you're 800 jumps, but you're deep into the sport. You're traveling all over the U.S. doing the boogie circuit, interviewing people for Blue Skies magazine. You're doing articles. You're marrying people. You got all this different shit going on. Where do you see yourself moving forward in the sport? What what comes next for you? Where do you want to go with it? Oh God. So is this where I make the? Uh, you know, enough people already know. So uh, USPA regional. Really? That's kind of a. Uh, that's kind of a, a goal of mine. Okay. I, uh, and I, I've had this conversation with a lot of people who are on USPA board right now. Um, I think that younger jumpers are severely underrepresented. Sure. I think that free flyers, angle flyers, swoopers, wing suiters, all the disciplines outside of belly are underrepresented, given, especially given how m- large a portion of the community they are now. Sure. Um, and I think that we need to change that. I mean, I think right now the youngest person on the board is probably Alex Hubbard. Um, she's one of very few females as well on the board. Um, and I think that in general, well, I think the USP does a great job representing our sport in terms of governorship. Mm. I think that because of the current demographics that are represented on the board, they're not quite as active figuring out the concerns of a lot of disciplines outside of belly. Sure. Well, I, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that, but that's been, I mean, for as long as I've been in the sport, but that's been the case. Granted, uh, free flying was just becoming a thing as I was starting in skydiving. I mean, this is, this is back when Olav was really kicking off the whole craze that of course has then become the most predominant discipline in the sport. So, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's, it's been very slow to progress for sure. So some young blood, uh, uh, would not hurt at all. Although you've probably shot yourself in the foot just by being on this podcast with me. You know what? <laughs> Looking at Jeremy Dubansky's run last year and the fact that USP actually interviewed him and made him a profile piece, there is definitely a, a bit of a changing of the of, of the guard, I think, are happening right now hmm. across the board. I mean, Jer- Jeremy only lost by like, ten votes in his region. Um, USPA interviewed him recently, and he did a he did a great job. I, I I was really really impressed with his with his profile piece because he is the crazy batshit insane party animal boogie monster that we love so much. But he also does really care about the sport. Well, see, the, and, the, the cool thing is, too, and this is something that uh, I think we get, a, especially the people that like to go big in all aspects of the sport, get a bit of a bad rap. Um, the one that's going craziest uh, at the boogie once the sun goes down might turn out to be the most safety conscious, uh, up high and tight jumper when the sun is up. Um, you know, I, it, so it, it, for somebody to be going full blast in all aspects never did make me nervous because I've watched guys that could party harder than anybody I've ever seen and be ready to do nothing but work and work hard all weekend long as ridiculously professional as possible. And then they got yeah. their underwear around their neck and they're hanging off the rafters from the tiki bar. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and that's 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 the thing. Like you know, and and Jeremy's definitely that guy. You see, he he will go super hard, but he also is the guy who wakes up and he. You know, I'm not jumping today. I went too hard last night. He'll be the first guy to say that he won't. He won't push himself to do something that's unsafe. And I think that. What well, says a lot? About I, I think that the, it does, and I think that partying hard at a boogie is an integral part of skydiving to me. Well, it's part. I of, can't imagine. It's part of the bonding with the community, for sure. Yeah. I uh, um. You know, when I had gotten to Cross Keys, Cross Keys was the first true drop zone that I ever got to, and of course, I got there when it was going crazy. And uh, uh, the chief instructor at the time was a guy that you probably know from your Cross Keys, uh, Dave Pancake. I love Pancake. Yeah, so Pancake has been a staple of Cross Keys for a very, very long time. When I first met Pancake, for anybody that knows Dave Pancake, he is a clean cut, he looks like an Iowa farm boy. He is just, (laughs) he, he really does. He is as normal cookie cutter, stand up white guy as you get. And that's how I met him. And he was very professional when we first talked and he let me know everything that was going to be going on, what was expected of me, blah, blah, blah. Cut to, I think maybe two days later was the first weekend. And I come out of my trailer after the sun had gone down and work my way back towards the tiki bar. And there's Dave Pancake in his underwear hanging from the rafters of the tiki bar. And I went, oh, (laughs) that's my new boss. Welcome to Cross Keys. (laughs) love it perfect example of that and he ran a tight ship man when the when the planes were turning and shit needed to get done it got done it was done extremely professionally but he showed beyond a shadow of a doubt hey it's okay to let your hair down and have some serious fun as well just be fucking safe and smart about it yeah which is a damn good thing so absolutely you get regionals you get the board what is it you're going to be trying to push what what are you wanting to see what changes do you want to happen what are you going to drive for more than anything here's your campaign Um, yeah so i think this is coming up mainly because of a conversation i had yesterday this is already something i've been talking about for a while um one of my biggest issues with the coach rating i think that it, I see way too many people like we were talking about earlier. You, you see that person on your load. You're like, God, I, I, I'm either going to get out and get underneath them if I can, or I'm going to hang out in deep breaks and let them do their fuckery under canopy sure. or that person that you see there, they, they try to get onto your jump and you tell everybody really quietly, Hey, Hey, we, we got, we, we don't want anybody else right now. I see too many of those people. They have their coach ratings and they go around and they, they're the dangerous person on the drop zone, but they, they're allowed to get their co-trading. I think that the current requirements for it, the current, well, one, the jump numbers are super low on it. Two, it's not that hard to get. Mm. And it terrifies me sometimes when I see a younger jumper getting, quote unquote, coached on the ground by somebody with a co-trading who really shouldn't have it. Sure. That terrifies the hell out of me. Um, another thing that evidently has been better this year that I really, really, really want drop zones to get pushed to do. Um, but obviously, I'm, I'm the Friday freakout guy. I want people talking about lessons learned. I want people telling their stories. I think that drop zones are currently scared to file incident reports. Sure they are. Um, and the, you know, the number of incidents that for sure happen a year at USPA drop zones and how many incident reports they actually get is just shockingly low um and i would want to create a program that you know almost not an amnesty thing per se but you know 
a system that will provide DZOs with the ability to provide incident reports, even if it has to be anonymous or something. There's so many lessons. Go ahead. There are so many lessons to be learned. And the thing with incident reports that I think is is misunderstood is, uh, especially now, um, after the horrific crashes that have been happening lately, the King Air in Hawaii and all that stuff, um, the FAA uh, is definitely being pressured into taking a much, much harder look at skydiving, specifically the aircraft side of it. But the harder that they yeah. look at stuff like that, the more that they're going to want to look at the entire thing. And if they take start taking really stiff, stiff, uh, st- stiff looks at the aircraft side of things and start to broaden out, and there aren't those incident reports, and there aren't um, you know, a, a report made, a lesson learned, uh, you know, retraining done, something along those lines, that's when there's going to be a problem. If the FAA comes yeah. in and you go, okay, well, yep, these are the incidents that we had on our drop zone. Uh, this is what happened. Uh, this is what we've done to correct it. This is how this person was retrained or whatever, you know. If that stuff yeah. is done in-house, then the FAA is going to go, oh, okay, well, at least on the jumper side of things, they're all over it. Now, the aircraft side of it's a whole different thing, but I think you're absolutely right in that that kind of stuff does need to happen, even if it is an anonymous thing as far as the paperwork goes, because if, and hopefully it doesn't happen, but if the FAA starts sticking their noses deep into skydiving, it's going to get real interesting out there. It's going to be tough. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we just went from the safest year that we have had in USBA history to this fucking epic shit show of a year that we're having right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, not even counting the Hawaii incident, which, you know, tragic as as it fucking was, like, that's an aviation incident. Sure. It just happened to include way too many jumpers. Yeah. But even not counting that, we're on track for the worst year since I, I got into skydiving for sure. I don't know the worst year since when, but, you know, obviously the way that we reverse that trend from the best year to one of the worst years, there needs to be more of a conversation. We need to look at what's going on. And the only way to do that is with serious incident reports, because for every fatality we have, there's probably, you know, five, 10 incidents that don't get reported because they didn't result in a fatality, but still could have been learned from that still could have established a trend. I mean... Do you think that uh, um, this this new completely politically correct world that we find ourselves living in is a big part of that problem? Because people that would have normally been the first ones to go, hey, fuck nut, why'd you do this? Or why are you doing that? Or you're going to kill yourself now are keeping their mouths shut because it's inappropriate to criticize someone. Um, so... One, I mean, you know me, I'm relatively socially liberal. Um, I'm socially but, retarded. I just don't give a fuck. I'm going to open my mouth. Yeah. But I yeah, think there are a lot of people I, that are following I think these I, PC norms now. I I think you're absolutely fucking wrong. Do you? Because I can, I can think of two fatalities this year and one near fatality this year that happened due to low turns for people who are getting aggressive under canopy. And all three in all three of those incidents, I learned that that individual had been yelled at and oh, told sure. that what they are doing is unsafe. Oh, sure. So no, in, I'm, I'm in, not saying I'm not so, saying in all instances by any stretch. I mean, there's always going to be a lot of people that are doing exactly what they should be doing, which is yelling at those people. But uh, I just I can't help but wonder if a lot of people that would speak up um, are, are 
either holding their tongues or not being as forceful as they might have been for fear of being the asshole on the drop zone? I I have not seen it, and in every incident that I've heard about, that has not been the case. That's good. I think the SNTAs, SNTAs, DZOs, coaches, instructors, well, maybe not the coaches again because that comes into that whole other issue, but the people who are working in a sport full-time and who have a true passion and love for the sport, they understand how bad an incident reflects upon the community, the sport, oh, the yeah. drop zone, the instructors. So they, they don't see it as a PC or not PC thing. They see it as this is our livelihood. This is our passion. This is our community. And if we don't say something right now, this incident is going to turn, this individual is going to create an incident that fucks us over. Sure. So I don't think, I, I don't think that that really plays a role well, in, good. in this. That's, I that's think awesome. that, yeah. the, the idea, and it just the... sucks because all three, all three incidents I'm thinking about, that happened this calendar year, those individuals were yelled at. And the well, only thing that I think may have been the issue is that they didn't, you know, the SNTA or the DZM, DZO, they thought that the talking to they gave somebody would be enough. Sure. And then they still went out and did something stupid. Well, and, and unfortunately, you, me, and everybody listening all know some of those people that are just going to go out and get themselves killed no matter what anybody else does. They're just, they're absolutely going to go do it. And if it's not in the skydive, they're going to find another way to do it. They're not going to listen to other people, which is unfortunate. It absolutely is. Yeah. But. Well. It sucks. I mean, and, and it's, it's it, it comes with the territory to a certain degree because the type of personality that gets in the skydiving is also going to be the type of personality that wants to go and fucking do crazy, stupid shit. For sure. It's, the two go hand in hand. And, you know. It's so, just right now, it, it goes back to the Booth's Law conversation. We've gotten to the point where the gear is safer and safer, but it's also more highly functional, and you can do harder and more you know, intense, high-performance stuff with it. So it opens up the possibilities, but it also cuts down your safety margin. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, so, I'm, you know, I, even now, I fly a canopy that uh, I don't have the luxury of being uh, lazy. You know, when it comes to, I fly a, a 96 Velo. Well, I mean, that's that's not the most insane canopy out there, but it'll kill me in a fucking heartbeat if I'm not paying attention. Yeah, you I mean, know. 96 Velo, what do you load What are you loaded at, like 1.9? No, I'm over 2. Over, okay. Yeah, really? over 2 out the door. Yeah, I'm like 2-1 out the door. Have you put on some weight since I saw you? The only muscle, motherfucker. Uh-huh. <laughs> you uh, set me up for that one you set me up for that one i have to take a shot at you yeah fair enough fair enough uh yeah no i'm like two one maybe even two two out the door um but okay. uh yeah i mean you get but i trust the gear completely for somebody like me because i've been in the sport as long as i have and have broken a few bones and done some silly things um not having gear fear allows me to be scared of all the shit that i'm going to do to myself which is great because then I pay attention to what's going on rattling around in between my ears and keeping myself from doing something stupid, you know, rather than being nervous about the gear and not paying attention to what I'm doing, you know, so that's a good thing for me. But so yeah. you get yourself on the board, you're going to push hard for the changes for the coach ratings, make it a little bit harder to get going. Uh, how do you yeah. how do you think you, you think the incident report type of stuff is going to help um, as far as the the knowledge goes for sure? But do you think it's going to keep those certain people maybe from doing those stupid things? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, people are going to do stupid shit. 
the difference is once we start one, if you have the data, you can adjust fire on regulations and figure out what's causing these incidents. How can they be prevented? Because the fatality list, again, those are the only hardcore incident reports we get. Right. And they're not enough to really figure out what's leading up to them. Right. You know, all you see is the end result. Um, I think the incident reports will allow USPA to get a better idea of the overall, you know, dangers that that are that are evolving as skydiving evolves itself as a sport. Um, and then once that happens, you can look at training. You can look at okay, if and I, I honestly think this is a major culprit. If low turns are the culprit for so many of these incidents how do we fight back against that tendency right. is it you know stricter regulations on who's allowed to do what degree of turn is just stricter punishments is it mandated that if you do a low turn you know by the judgment of your snta that you are required to be grounded for the day and have you know go through a lecture about canopy piloting whatever the case may be you know and that just you know I'm, I'm literally spitballing right now because this is right you know conversation that is still a year and a half out for me um but these i i i think that you know most of the people that i see on the board they're not flying super aggressive canopies right most of them are belly jumpers flying large docile wings and this isn't something that the, the conversation doesn't happen enough in my mind because again the the fatalities this year they 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 break my goddamn heart. Sure, and I don't see anything happening to mitigate sure. that risk. Well, you know what? What and always I, what always um, bothered me and uh, um, also kept me on my toes was when you would see the the serious injuries or the fatalities from someone with a buttload of experience. You know, guys like me that have been hanging under nylon for eleven thousand jumps and just one jump for whatever yeah. reason, you know, and it's always in my mind every time I go out and, and jump is, all right, this is not going to be that one. You're going to pay attention, not do anything stupid. It doesn't matter who's on the ground. Uh, you've got family out and you're jumping because you're jumping with your dad or your cousin or this or that. I'm not going to impress anybody with my swooping, you know, keep your head screwed on straight and fly safe, you know, uh, yeah. specifically I mean, because well, I know. I mean, I, I had a conversation with an old school guy, um, at Cinco de Mayo Boogie at Orange and I'm sitting there hanging out with him and a bunch of other folks and he's been in the sport for like 15 years and the words that came out of his mouth just dropped my jaw and he's like canopy coaching is a waste of money oh no 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 and the second I heard that I lost all respect for the guy in a heartbeat right there because you know I mean you got some of these the the some and I don't even I don't even want to say older generation because I am the older generation. You've just got some people that think, oh, you got to learn from your own mistakes, which is fucking stupid. This is the one sport, or at least one of a very few sports, where learning from other people's mistakes is the only way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. I mean, it's I, as much fucking training as you can get your hands on, obviously from the right people. But you go to, you know, something yeah. like Flight One and PD Boys, and and you go out and you learn properly, and you take those lessons to heart. That's important shit, man. I plan on being an extremely old skydiver, you know, and I'm not going to get there by doing stupid shit. Or, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I've I've taken a I've taken a canopy course about every a canopy course about every 200 jumps. Sure. Um, 
I only I, I've done Greg Windmiller's a couple times. I've done Kurt and Jeannie's course. I just I miss Nick Batch's course because of some army crap I had to go do. Um, but I I think that canopy coaching is one of the most important things to not only do early on in your in your skydiving career, but something that needs to be repetitively done. And I mean, I look at people, you know, like my roommate Logan. She she's com- you know competing at a super high level under canopy, but she does canopy coaching more than anybody else I know. Hmm. I look at people, you know, I look at last time I was out uh, visiting uh, junior in Dubai, uh, him and Pat had a, just a list of people who are super high performance canopy p- pilots that were taking coaching with them. Of course. And when you see the fact that the top people in the world in their discipline are still doing canopy courses, that tells you that if you have, you know, an, infinitely smaller amount of experience than they do but they believe that coaching is valuable that says something you of know they obviously know they obviously know something you don't but For sure. obviously they know a lot of things that you don't and one of those things is the, the value of canopy coaching absolutely well i mean and and uh from from my side of things being a, a full-time pilot instead of a full-time jumper anymore flying is the exact same thing i have to go through recurrency courses all the time i have to go back to the simulator for training i have to do emergency training all the time that's how you stay fresh it's not a matter of learning something you don't know it's a matter of keeping sharp with the things that you do know and seeing it from another set of eyes. You know, Junior might see something, and, and then I can go do a course with Pat, who's going to see something in a different way. Not to mention, students learn things in different ways. What works for, you know, this guy isn't going to work for that girl, or vice versa. Uh, I do that when I'm yep. training pilots on how to fly jumpers. I'll tell them, all right, you're going to fly with me. I'm going to show you everything that I know. And then you're going to get in the seat with this other captain, and he's going to show you everything he knows. And you're going to pick and choose, because they're both going to be right but he's got a different way of thinking about it he's got a different way of of doing this or doing that in the correct way but you're going to cherry pick which ways work best for you or you might come up with your own you know mental version of it however it works as long as you're learning the material but see it from multiple sets of eyes so yeah coaching absolutely and especially coaching with more than one person it's a great thing absolutely yeah that's like, like I, I was kicking myself because I've never done Nick Batch's course, mm. and I really wanted to do it. And I was so like I met him for like it was I've met him a couple times, but this was the first time I actually got to sit down with him for a little bit. And I was just so frustrated because I while I had just finished a course with Greg like a month earlier, I wanted to get his perspective on the same exact things. I wanted to have him look at my turn and figure out what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong in his words because. I mean, I, so I'm an instructor in the military for, uh, for medical stuff, and I've realized that my teaching style, even if I'm teaching the same exact material, even if I'm going by the book doing the same exact thing as another one of my instructors, I might do it differently and teach a different way that might work better or work worse for certain students. And sure. just the teaching style, even if you're teaching the same exact things, may help an individual student understand it better. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's yeah. So even if you're teaching the same exact things, the the difference and how how it's received is so huge. <laughs> oh, I completely agree. Well, and we all know that uh, uh, one instructor's way of doing things might not gel with a student, but another one will get it right off the bat. So that's a big thing too. As as someone that's going out trying to look for coaching or look for someone to help them, is finding someone that you have a really good vibe with that also has important stuff to teach you. You're going to learn a lot more, obviously, that way. Yeah. You know, it's a big deal. 
So, uh, um, one, one thing that cra- go, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, like, one thing that I noticed for me, even though I'm military, I don't like the military teaching style. It doesn't really work for me. Hmm. The regimented, like, I, I need more of a free flowing kind of conversational sure. evolutionary concept rather than, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what cracked me up was the one that the Greg Windmiller, despite having been in the army for like a couple of decades, his teaching style is so not military that he really worked well for me. Sure. But I've had other people who have been like, yeah, you know, I really love Greg. And he teaches, he, he, he knows material so well, but I kind of want, like, you know, that, I was expecting this military and that's what I learned well from. <laughs> and it's, you know, same material, right? but just the attitude of the instructor, the way they teach, it works better for some people, not as good for others. For for sure. others. And it's just a big part of it is also trying different instructors to see which one has a style that gels with you the best. Sure. Man, I loved, uh, I, I flew for a very short period of time for uh, Scott F. San Diego uh, when they were doing all the SEAL training for TAC Air out there. And uh, boy, I fucking loved flying for those guys. We were doing night ops, flying over Otay Lakes, which is quite the hilly area right on the Mexican border, um, in jet black, no fucking moon, no nothing. And they had one 50-gallon trash can like on a hill lit on fire, and that was their target. And the instructors are telling these guys to jump out. Out they go. I'm like, fucking hell, man. Because at the time, I probably had, I don't know, 9,000 jumps. And, and the last jumper would get out, and I'd start my slow descent going, fucking hell, if you'd get me out of this plane. <laughs> and these are guys that have, like, I mean, 10 jumps, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you tell me that. I'm thinking, okay, target fixation is about to become a real, real thing, and well, a bunch of nylons about to get lit up. And it's fucking hills, man. It's a 50-gallon trash can on fire, and they're landing in hills in Otai Lakes. I'm like, you guys are maniacs. More power to you, though. <laughs> so you're going to keep writing for Blue Skies, yeah? Yeah, I think Cole will kill me if I stop. I don't yeah. know. Nowadays, I do less writing than I do the boogie, the you know, the live interviews, the boogie correspondent thing. For sure, sure. Well, I still do my monthly article, but uh, it's funny now because I'll I'll usually get the uh, the email from from the uh, made up Laura, the fictitious yeah. computer generated Laura or Cola going. <laughs> um, hey, deadline was yesterday. Oh shit! Okay, and then I'll sit down on the couch and crank out an article. <laughs> so. Yeah, Laura hit me up like last week, being like, "You owe us a piece on Scott uh, on Summerfest for Scott of Chicago." I'm like, uh, "When's that due?" She's like, "Last week." I'm like, yeah. Fuck. Oops. Oops. All right. Well, so tell us about the the. Um, you should know all the information. Tell everybody about the greatest magazine in the known universe. How do they find everything? How do they find your uh, articles? How do they find you on Facebook? How do they find all this shit? Oh God! Um, so Facebook, I'm just Zej Emski, Z E J M apostrophe S K I. I don't have Instagram. I keep telling myself I'm going to create an Instagram account. Don't do it. I, you know what? I, I have to. Do and you know what? Here we go. Here we go. This is this is it. Because I already have one. I just I never post to it. I'm going to become better about this. Okay. I'm going to Tiki Boogie next weekend. And at Tiki Boogie, I will start finally taking photos and post them to Instagram, and I will start becoming an Instagram whore like the rest of you fuckers. Yeah, I hate All it. Right? I hate it. I tried. I gave up. Uh, I, you know, I know. I, I, I've been saying this, and I, I previously told myself, I'll do it at Carolina Fest. And then I said, I'll do it at Summerfest. But now you actually have me on tape saying I'll do it at Tiki. All right. So, so, you're start, so do you ha- what is your Instagram handle? You have one? Uh, it's Zedjemski. Zedjemski. Okay, so you got uh, Facebook yeah. and Instagram are both the same. 
How do they find yep. a, a team? They want to go look it up. Tell them how to go. Join, join the team.com. Uh, join the team is spelled T E E M tango echo, echo Mike for all of you uh, pilots and military folks out there. Um, like we're also obviously on YouTube, we're on Facebook, and Freak Out Friday. Friday Freak Out is too easy. You Google it; it will just come up with a full page of gnarly, gnarly videos that you can go learn from. Now, how's somebody going to? Su- oh, hang on. How's somebody going to submit a gnarly, gnarly video to you for for Friday Freak Out? Uh, so there is a submission link on the page, and. Again, I've I can only say it so many times. No, I can keep saying it for the rest of my life. If you have an incident that can teach a lesson, send it in because even if it causes you a little bit of embarrassment, it could save somebody else's life. If you have an incident and, that might not teach a lesson, but the rest of us all will laugh our asses off and you didn't get hurt and no one else got hurt, send that shit in. Well, obviously. Yes. Yes. I mean... And you know what? No, there's there's no skydive you can't learn something from. Agreed. Even if you give me, like, I will find something to write about. Right? Submit that shit. I will find something to write about. If it's hilarious, we will we will use it one way or another, and we will make a lesson out of Hell it. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! So the magazine, blueskiesmag.com. Absolutely, um, the greatest magazine obviously. in the known universe. Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, so, and you know what? People don't realize how cheap the subscriptions are. Super cheap, super awesome. Of course, they get you, they yeah. get me, and then I think some other people write for the magazine, don't they? Yeah, I mean MFC, Melanie <laughs> fucking hurt us. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a few other badass people that write for the magazine, yeah. no doubt. But we, and here's the thing: I always say at the end of every podcast is uh, um, submit shit to Blue Skies Magazine because if fucking idiots like you and me can write for this magazine, anybody yep. can write for the magazine. You got a cool story, write it up for the magazine. You got a disgusting story, definitely write that shit up for the magazine. Photographers, if you have good photos, send them in. I, I had this discussion like a year and a half ago uh, with a guy named Lucas from Wukash. Uh, he's Polish. And he jumps for uh, he jumps in Ireland for the Irish Parachuting Club. Hmm. And he had this ridiculous photo of some jackass who decided to put on a huge Rick and Morty helmet and jump out of the back of a sky van. Awesome. And it was him and two other idiots jumping out with huge Rick and Morty helmets. And this photo was absolutely mind blowing. Wow. No Photoshop. I saw it raw on the ground and I'm like, Lucas, why the fuck are you not sending that into magazines? Like, Oh, it's not that good. They'll, (laughs) they'll never take that. They don't know me. I'm like, dude, that is no. And I, I harassed him for like a month and a half and he finally sent it in and his first photo in a magazine was the cover shot. Of course, which is awesome. Yeah, no, if there's photographers yeah. out there, send your stuff in. And if it's not a magazine quality, they will tell you, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep yeah. working on this. This is why we're not going to use this one, but keep them coming. Definitely. So write magazine or write articles, take shitloads of pictures, send them all into the magazine. Of course, subscribe to the magazine so you can listen to us two idiots ramble on about stuff. Actually, you've got you've got important stuff to talk about. I've just got uh, uh, old big fish stories to tell at this point. No, man, I don't. I don't write about the important stuff though. I, I do that for team. That's like where I'm like super serious. All my shit for for uh, for blue skies is fun. Like that's what that's what I love about the magazine. It's the perfect balance because you do have a lot of the serious stuff. Sure. You have people talking about safety. You have people talking about like James LeBerry, like. 
I never really thought about any of the shit that he writes before I started reading Blue Skies, mm. and it's definitely opened my mind, opened up my mind to like you know a lot of the things that people in the sport deal with on the professional side. Sure. Um, but then we have the balance, which is my stupid ass, <laughs> you know, joking around about weddings and butt plugs, and uh, I got another piece coming out, I believe, in the next issue about Summerfest, where I'm pretty much talking about you know. Well, how many fucking smoothies they sold? <laughs> sure. No, <laughs> um, but it's it's a, it's a great balance. I think that Blue Skies does a fantastic job, not just representing the sport as a sport, but also representing the community as the ridiculous group of. Sh- oh, wow. sorry, I have a Coast Guard evac copter flying over my head. One of their dolphins, um, <laughs> squirrel. But yeah, we do a great job balancing the skydiving as, as a sport, the skydiving as a community, as a culture, as a bunch of drunken shit shows sure. hanging out around the bonfire at night. Which and is, I think that, that it's definitely an extremely important part of the entire mix, and it definitely is well represented with the magazine, which is fucking wonderful. Absolutely. That's what makes that's, it so damn that's, much that's, fun. That's, that's, that's why I got into it. Yes, that's well, why yeah, and that's why I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking with it just as long as you do. <laughs> Was that sh- and, it, and if and if you need some stories about shit shows, I'll I'll point you in the right direction. <sighs> oh, I've I've got a few, <laughs> but I'll take them from hey, you as well. well you just have, said you started to run out, man. We'll have to we'll have to have uh, uh, round number two on the podcast where it's nothing but shit show stories. Oh God, yeah. They'll they'll be good, but it's gonna have to be a few people because we're gonna have to get Junior back in on it and a couple of other uh, uh, repeat interviewers that can tell all the stories of the truly wild times. Uh, <laughs> Junior was upset that he couldn't help you in giving me shit and and co-host this particular podcast with you to just make fun of me relentlessly. Well, we'll have to try and uh, uh, do a round two for sure, but we'll be able to make just as much fun of him, <laughs> without a doubt. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, because he's another geriatric little dude. Yeah, he's getting there. He's getting there. <laughs> yeah, I think his his bald spots are bigger than yours. Oh, you know what? We're just—I'm just, going to get him to shave his head pretty soon. <laughs> is it getting that bad? No, no, no. Well, I'm going to tell him it is though, because I'm going to get him to shave. <laughs> so. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Jose, it's been a fucking great time catching up for sure. I I want to I want to definitely wish you luck on your push to get in the regionals. I think it's a pretty damn good thing to be aiming towards something like that, especially with a bunch of good ideas. Uh, so keep pushing hard for that. Uh, regardless of whether or not you uh, vote for Zed, folks, get out and definitely vote every time you have the opportunity. But know what you're talking about. Uh, definitely get out there and, and uh, try and get good people to represent you. Pushing the U.S in a different direction to represent everybody is fantastic as well uh, as always keep it up with the team shit keep it up with Blue Skies Magazine and fuck keep having fun man hell yeah man thank you very <laughs> much for having me and uh, everybody stay tuned because evidently after you know he interviewed some jackass with 800 jumps the next two interviews are going to be with Bill Booth and Katie Hansen. so yes. Hell <laughs> yes, the Lord of the Three the Rings in- is coming, Miss Hansen, the rock star, absolutely. The most intimidating part of this interview is the fact that he tells me like a week ago, by the way, you better make it a fucking good one because the people following you are Katie Hansen and Bill Booth. I'm like, oh yeah. God. I figured you were just the com- <laughs> you're, you're the comedy relief before the, the real show. <laughs> <laughs> nah, well, I'm man. glad to serve my role, man. Nah, it's been great having you on. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. All right, man. Love you, buddy. Zedge, love you too. I'll talk to you soon.
Two Blue Skies Rats on the same episode. Man, that was Zedge from Blue Skies Magazine. As we know, the greatest magazine in the known universe. With blueskiesmag.com, you can subscribe to the magazine if you haven't already done so. If you've got that awesome article you've been thinking about writing, fucking write that shit. Submit it. Blueskiesmag.com. You want to advertise something cool? Blueskiesmag.com. You've got awesome pictures you want to get out there? Please send it to them. Blueskiesmag.com. Lunatic. Tick Fringe is also brought to you by Craft Imaging. Craft Imaging has got some really cool techniques for sandblasting, logos, pictures, anything and everything you can think of on anything from wine glasses and uh, plaques and anything you can think of. It's really, really cool. Check them out. It's uh, craftimaging.ae. Uh, for me, I am the fucking pilot. You can find me and all of these episodes at thefuckingpilot.net. You can also find links to the two books that I've written, uh, The Blue Skies Mag's Fucking Pilot Book, as well as The Accidental Stripper. Both of those are available through the website or on Amazon. Uh, they are in digital and print form. And again, still working on that audiobook for The Accidental Stripper. Again, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. We'll catch you next time.